This is The Varsity, a sports podcast from The Record North Shore, your nonprofit local news site. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute, with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com. Howdy folks and welcome to the latest episode of the Varsity Podcast, a podcast where we discuss everything involving North Shore High School sports. I'm Michael Dwojek with Friday Night Drive and I'm here with the Record North Shore founding member Joe Coglin. as we get you caught up on a lot of good football details that we've got going on. we got state golf, postseason play is starting here in the fall as it is getting colder and colder each and every single day. Pretty dreary week so that's been uh that's been my hot take about fall. People love fall and say it's great and everything. And like, for the most part, I agree with them on the nice, you know, crisp uh, Saturdays when it's beautiful. But for this week where it's been raining every single day and leaves are falling, uh, this is where I'm like, uh, fall isn't uh, all it's cracked up to be. But um, that's a different podcast. Yeah, I'm with you. Uh, fall. I love fall, too, because I love Halloween, number one. Uh, but all that other stuff I also enjoy. I'm pretty basic with my pumpkin love, but that's okay. Uh, but the weather uh, is awesome, but it lasts only about, what, a week? We right. only get 10 ideal days the whole season. Right. Like, I, I not to turn this into a weather podcast, but <laughs> all of September is probably, like, the best weather in Chicago. Like, you'll get every day. It's, like, 75, usually sunny, like, not too hot, not too cold. It's, like, perfect weather to, like, be outside, go golfing, do whatever. But um, I guess we'll go back to talking about high school sports now. Just a quick reminder, um, if we haven't already lost you, that you can subscribe to the podcast wherever they are available. Make sure you look us up and subscribe and spread the word as well. We always appreciate the kind words and comments. All right, we're going to do our regular four-quarter format for this week's episode of the podcast. In the first quarter, we're going to recap a big win by Loyola and a tough loss for New Trier football. In the second quarter, we are joined by New Chair Football Head Coach Brian Dahl. In the third quarter, we play Way or No Way, our weekly guessing game. And then in the fourth quarter, we recap a good state tournament for some uh, boys and girls golf and get you set up for some uh, postseason play for some other fall sports before delving in into week eight of high school football here in the North Shore. We are heading down the stretch here, a couple weeks left on the season but why don't we start off by talking about week seven where um let's start off by talking about new Trier, where um we talked about this game against gbs that it was going to be a tough um tough battle but a game that um new Trier, uh you know could kind of prove that um they're a strong playoff team and um you know obviously get that important fifth win but um new Trier not able to uh win against gbs 26 to 24 friday night um, Joe, I know you were there for um, a really tough matchup at the end of the at the end of the day for between uh, these two uh, teams, but um, Nutria just not able to pull it off here um, at the end. Yeah, you know it was quite a quite an impressive comeback by the Trevians in the second half. You know, if we I'll just touch on the first half for a moment, it won't take long, but it was brutal um, for the Trevians. They really struggled. Um, they didn't have many possessions as, as we talked about in the pod, you know, GBS controls the clock with that, with that running attack. And they did so against Nutrier and their, their defense was, was strong too. Nutrier just didn't, 
move the ball. <laughs> First play, they gained 11 yards. And then after that, it was, it was a real struggle in only four possessions. So um, first half was tough. I uh, didn't know what to expect out of the break, but they came out with a pretty impressive effort. Um, you know, I think Kremiscoli uh, with the, uh, the quarterback for Nutrier ended up throwing for over 300 yards. Um, so they were slinging the ball around the field. Um, you know, they had to at the end, um, but, uh, you know, they came all the way back. And you, we'll, we'll talk about the, the missed call in a bit, but the comeback was so close. Um, and, and in those games, you know, it can turn from like a long shot to a wait a minute. And that's what happened because they recovered the onside kick. Um, and it was a really beautiful um, um, plan. And it looked like, you know, and I actually haven't talked exactly to coach about this. Like it went exactly according to plan as the kicker, you know, dribbled the ball at a pretty, pretty harsh direct angle um, that, you know, will probably reach 10 yards right by the sideline. And as it went to the sideline, it hopped up to a sprinting Finn Cohen, who's their tight end, 6'4". So I'm guessing they have him the outside just for that on, a, on an onside kick for something like that. And he uh, he grabbed it. And, uh, you know, no GBS player was really even close to him. It was really a beautiful play. Um, and they had it. And they, you know, they didn't gain yards. They lined up for a 52-yarder. I actually talked to the, some of the coaches afterward, and they said that is um, – their, their kicker, their freshman kicker, their freshman long kicker, Nikki, that is his range, 52. So they were, uh, I wouldn't say confident, but they were, they were happy with where they were. 52, they thought he could make it. Um, and then when they got the false start to push him back five, that was outside of his range. Um, so they thought they could try to get a first down, which was, I think they needed seven yards. And, uh, and, the, and the pressure was too much and an errant pass was picked off. So, uh you know, the, the, the roller coaster of emotions there because you're not in it. You're not in it. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Okay. Now we, now we have a chance and then a false start and uh, man, quite a bummer um, for Nutria, quite a heartbreaker. So let's talk about like what led to that moment. I mean, in the first half, you talked about it a little bit, but um, just GBS able to control the clock, GBS able to really control the game for the first half. I mean, um, that obviously is the reason why Nutria was in a position to um, try to tie it at the end of the game. But what, what, what did you see from Nutria um, just based on that first half into what, um, what was GBS just really able to do against Nutria's defense specifically um, that kind of put them in that hole in the beginning? Yeah, just, you know, uh, run the ball. You know, the, the quarterback made a couple nice throws on the run, but nothing down the field. And, um, First down, you know, ripping off four or five yards at a time. It wasn't always Will Collins either, um, GBS's stud running back, um, although he, he definitely played a part, especially in the second half. But um, it was uh, – I forgot his name. Number 44 had some great runs. Um, their secondary, they kind of run that that triple wing, um, wing back formation and uh, give the ball all over the place, really kind of counter counterattacks, counter direction to, to keep the defensive line off balance. And they just held on to the ball. Didn't give Nutria much opportunities. When Nutria did have an opportunity, it was three and out. Or, you know, their first series was four plays. So it was quick. And, uh, the, you know, Nutria or GBS really took care of the ball um, and controlled it the whole half. What um, I feel like most of what we've talked about this season has been 
Um, when it comes to neutral offense, just what Nevin Kremisko has been able to do. And obviously you saw that again um, against uh, GBS where he was able to um, help lead um, Nutria at least to attempt to, you know, uh, win this game toward the end. But um, it seems like Nevin's just continued to grow throughout the season. Obviously the first half, the offense did not really produce the way uh, Coach Dollar, many fans wanted it to. But um, I just feel like I'm continuing to be impressed with, I guess both quarterbacks for our teams, but never Kremiscoli specifically, just what he's able to do and help lead that offense to um, at least have an opportunity at the end of the game. Yeah, he throw, he just throws a really good ball um, for a high school quarterback, and he keeps it for the most part. He did throw um, a pick in an important situation, um, not counting the one at the end of the game because it was more just like a heave as he was getting sacked, but um, I think he missed a – missed the linebacker in an important situation. But other than that, you know, he's, he puts the ball in a spot where his receiver can get it and that's it. You know, he's not making dangerous throws or risky throws, um, but they're also in, in, you know, semi-tight windows. So he's just an accurate quarterback. Uh, he's got a big arm. Um, he's got a great relationship with on the field with uh, Finn Cohen, his tight end, who had another big game, great possession receiver, just gets open and uh, has a matchup at six four six five. And Josh Kirkpatrick made another big play to set up a, a touchdown, um, just kind of a, a really acrobatic catch over the top um, for about 30, 40 yards. And uh, Alex Mendez, they've worked him into the offense. He's kind of your, you know, quote unquote athlete, you know, they'll try to give it to him on sweeps and in space, but he made a couple of big plays down the field, including a beautiful corner, um, corner touchdown catch, which was on point with uh through traffic from Kremiscoli, but, um, you know, Mendez caught it in the corner of the end zone, uh, which was, I think their second touchdown. So uh, he's got the athletes to make these, to make the plays and he puts it in spots to help his athletes succeed. So I think those are all marks for good quarter, a good high school quarterback. All right, Joe, we've got two weeks left. We got now West for new career. And then uh, that big main South matchup we've been talking about since uh, the preseason just, I know I asked you this a couple of weeks in, so I'll ask you again, just what is this new tier team? Is this basically a new tier team where um, the offense can put up points, but the defense struggles against good teams? I mean, that kind of seems to be what we've noticed so far this year against GBS, against Evanston, against uh, um, Barrington. It just seems like the offense can keep up sometimes, but um, that defense, I mean, just with the injuries that it's had and just obviously the lack of, um, you know, experience, um, even though I know we already have seven weeks of experience, I guess, at this point. But um, it just seems like this is a team where they'll put up some points, but um, they're going to need to outscore you if they want to really compete, um, especially heading into uh, the playoffs. Yeah, and we talked about it last week. I think I said it's it's that fourth touchdown against a team like GBS, against a team like Barrington. If they can get that fourth, then I think they're in a good spot because they're probably going to give up three or four. And that's what happened against GBS. They gave up the – um, I think, is it the four or the three and, the, and a field goal? So um, the offense is going to have to produce and the defense just needs to make a couple stops here and there. I think that's their team. I think it's a, you know, they're, they're an offensive team with a defense that has to bend and not break, but they're going to bend. Um, it's just, that's, that's the personnel they have. You know, they, I thought that the, the production was better on the defensive side of the football against GBS. You know, it was, you know, the one big play they gave up was uh, a 49 yard run in the fourth, um, which was tough, but I, I think they were playing more of an attacking defense at that point, trying to get back in the game. So what are you going to do? Um, 
but it looked better. So can they do that against Maine South? I think against Niles West, obviously you have to prepare for them. You have to take care of business. This is the fifth win. This qualifies you for the playoff. You absolutely need it, of course. Um, but can they get motivated enough, get better enough by week, you know, week nine to give Maine South a run? I think it's possible. I don't think Maine South is uh, they're one of their best teams. I really don't, even though they're ranked five in the state. I think they've had a couple tough toughies. And I think a new sure can give them a game, um, but they got to prepare for that. You know, it, what's really tough and what I didn't mention um, so far, I mentioned, I mentioned it, but I didn't expand upon was there was a fumble that Nutria caused in that game against GPS in the second half. That was a clear cut, no doubt runner was still in the air, you know, on his feet fumble. And they scooped it, and we're going to score. Uh, it was caused by Mendoza, Jesse Mendoza, and it was scooped by Jack Cummings. And he was on his way to the end zone, and they blew it dead that the runner was down. It was inexplic inexplicable. I, I don't understand. Marty and I were on the opposite side sideline. It was kind of close to um, one sideline. We were on the opposite. But, like, even from our perspective, it was like the ball popped in the air. It doesn't pop in the yeah. air like that in, in, you know, the guys on the ground. So we were confused because the whistle was a little delayed as well. I, I think the ref just didn't see it. So he, he kind of went to his default. The runner was down. Maybe that's the speculation, but then the game was on. Um, uh, what was it? Comcast, one of the stations, cause it was the game of the week. And the, the video went around a little bit. It was just clear as night and day. And, and the ref was right there. It's just really tough because that's, a, I, maybe that's the drive that um, GBSN is scoring. There's a 14 point swing. Nutria would have took the lead there. I, it's man, it's really tough to live with that. And uh, I'm of course just a journalist, photographer on the sideline. I can't imagine from for the coaching staff because uh, it was it was that clear, and, and you lose by a couple points. Yeah, that's what I'm kind of like. Can we get replay in the high school sports somehow? Where like you have cameras everywhere. I mean, you might as well look look at it. I know, obviously, um, that'd probably be too tough a situation to put um, officials in, and obviously, not every school can afford that. Maybe, but um, it would be an interesting thing. But obviously, a tough play um, for Nutria. Obviously, to, in a game like that, you, you can't do replay on high school ever. I wish you could. Maybe we'll get to that point where technology is quick like that, um, quicker. But I just think you need you need to get together more. You know, if it's any sort of question about the play, which I can't see that there wasn't at least a question, ask your fellow umpires, your fellow officials, get in a little huddle and be like, I thought he was down. Did you guys see anything? If it's consensus, fine. But like to make that call after a delay that was so obvious, I, it's hard for me to believe that someone else didn't see it. It's really tough. Right. So, well, we'll hear more from new Trier head coach Brian Dahl here in the second quarter, but we're going to move on over now to Loyola, who um, faced off a very depleted uh, Providence team on Saturday. Um, when you, you and I were both at the game and we saw the numbers of Providence players, and uh, when Loyola took a quick 14 to nothing lead just based off of a few plays, and Providence didn't uh, get any first downs. Uh, you could tell that this maybe wasn't the Providence team that uh, we had expected and that had beaten uh, Fenwick a little bit earlier in the season. Um, but uh, Loyola won 40 to nothing on Saturday and will match. The starters probably played a little bit over a quarter of football. Um, 
Coach Halasek knew that uh, well, Providence was missing six of its defensive starters, a lot of reserves. Their starting quarterback is out for the season. Their best two-way player is out um, seemingly for the rest of the season. Then um, all the defensive players are out because of a COVID outbreak that happened to um, the team on Friday. So um, you really didn't have enough time to even think about whether you wanted to play or not play on Saturday. And you just basically threw some sophomores in there and just prayed for the best. But um, so a 40 nothing win by Loyola. Um, a lot of reserves got some time, Joe. But um, I don't really know how much we can learn from this game mm-hmm. other than Loyola has a lot of depth and that depth is pretty good too. Yeah. I mean, what a, what a task. Uh, I mean, they're shorthanded and there's, and there's what Providence was on Saturday, just missing most of the teams. You could see it on the sideline. You know, that's, that's a big program. Um, and, you know, it looked like, you know, a handful of guys in sideline. It was probably close to more 15, 20, but for real. So it was tough. You know, you travel 50 miles. They're from the South suburbs, New Lenox, uh, to, to play the best team in the state when you're under man. That's a tough task. So kudos to them. Um, for showing up and, and giving, giving it their best there. But uh, Loyola took care of business. They did it early and pulled out their starters. I think that's all you can do. Um, you know, we saw some good performances. That defense, of course, looked great. And uh, we saw um, uh, the running attack of Will Niemischeim, um and, and a great passing. So he could his uh, coming out party in the absence of Mike Regan and um, – Marco Maldonado, could he factor into some playoff tick to some to some time against Mount Carmel as well? I think so. I think he proved he can make plays. We saw James Crutes in the Wildcat. Is that something? You know, there's yeah, that was crazy linebacker. Is that something they're they're testing out for big games? Uh, maybe he's a he's a punishing dude. He scares me a little bit, but um, um, athletic um, guy that they might try out on offense. So we saw a couple things uh, before those starters came out, but basically. Uh, they kept their win streak alive. They took care of business early so they could pull everybody and just play out the game. Yeah, it was a um, just a game where uh, Coach Hollis like, talked after the game about, yeah, we got to see like what, what our running backs can do, like what our depth can do and that kind of stuff where you're on your third, fourth, and fifth string. I mean, Will, like you mentioned, probably played his like second game. He was like, on the, he's a sophomore playing on a sophomore team. And they're just like, yeah, let's see what you can do. And right. second play of the game, he's able to score a touchdown. So um, obviously that Loyola team, uh, really talented and, um, you know, just able to rest some guys, especially heading down to the final stretch here. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, they might even do it as he said, as he told you and you're, and you're reporting for your, for Friday night drive that, um, he might even, you know, rest the starters against Mount Carmel if, if there's not too much to play for, but we'll see, you know, um, they might have the luxury to do that with 13 straight wins on their, on their slate. Um, and, their goal is a state is it's a state championship. So with a lot of injuries and a lot of banged up things, they've uh, banged up guys um, could be useful. Yeah. That quote was really interesting to me. Wouldn't you think that you would want to at least play for the outright division title? I mean, obviously they get a share if they um, lose the game against Mount Carmel, but I was kind of surprised that he said that, where do you value resting your players heading into the postseason more than, um, you know, having a definite, I mean, who knows, maybe if you do play the reserves, they can beat Mount Carmel as well. You don't, it, it, I wouldn't really challenge the depth of Loyola, but I was just kind of surprised that he said that, uh, especially with a big game like that at week nine. I was too, you know, reading that, um, just because, you know, but you know, I'm not inside the, 
the mind of Holosek or inside the locker room of Loyal Academy, but I just kind of assume that that rivalry is a huge deal and winning the CCL outright is a huge deal. Um, but, you know, there's a lot of variables in play that could affect that deal. You know, how, how injured are your guys? How much will some time off benefit certain guys here or there for your playoff chances? Um, I, I guess I'm not exactly sure. He knows better than I do, of course, and so do his guys. Um, so if, if another week off benefits Mike Regan, um, so he's ready to go with, with, that, with that banged up knee, um, it's probably beneficial. Same with some of his guys in his defensive end. I know, I know their star cornerback uh, was dealing with a, a groin or a thigh. I can't remember. Um, even though he did play and get an interception, um, Will Harris. So who knows? We'll see. Um, I guess we, we just don't know all the variables of play. And if he thinks that's beneficial, maybe it is. But it does seem like if you got a chance to play Carmel, it's a big deal for us as the reporters. We, right. we want to make it a huge deal. But maybe to, to Loyola and the program, it's a bigger deal to make sure you're ready to go for postseason. Yeah, especially uh, I mean, not to take away from a division title, but I feel like people remember state championships more than uh, division titles moving forward. But we'll move forward here in the podcast and go to the second quarter where we are joined by new cheer head football coach Brian Dahl. He joins us and talks about um, obviously a tough loss for his team um, in the final seconds, just um, what the team, um, just what he thought about the game, um, what kind of didn't go right in the game and um, what he's looking forward to as New Trier would try to win their fifth game of the season to automatically qualify for the playoffs against Niles West. Heartbreaking finish there. Yeah, I sure. start off with the same question. Thoughts this week? Obviously, a lot of fight there at the end, though, to finish things off. Yeah. Not the finish you were hoping for. So, what'd you make of the, the team's performance tonight? I mean, the first half was absolutely brutal. Um, we started really slow tonight. Um, you know, we expect to, to really score points and uh, be down 10 0 at halftime and really not have a lot of production on offense and you know defensively to be honest with you if, we, if you told me we were going to hold them to 10 points in the first half I would have been pretty happy with that I thought we'd, we'd start putting points on bottom uh-huh. you know it, it, it's one of those games tonight when you look back on it like to be honest with you I thought we were a better team in a lot of aspects of the game I thought they were more disciplined more structured and didn't make errors in key time so credit to them for um, you know not getting penalties in key situations and we played undisciplined football a lot of the game yeah, and it kind of had a similar start to that Evanston game. Yeah. Obviously, not as quick of a strike from right. CBS tonight, but slow, similar slow start where they yeah. kind of just grinded out some points, and you guys fell in that hole. Yep. Is that been something that you really feel has plagued you guys here, Coach? These falling down to these, you know, these, these top opponents and, and getting into that hole, and then it's yeah. such a climb getting out of that hole. Is that? Yeah. I mean, I think the Evanston game was more of an emotional drain, to be honest with you, uh, tonight. You know, I think they did a nice job uh, in the first drive, kind of getting down on us. And, you know, we had a couple opportunities there to stop them on a couple plays, but we couldn't get penalties. Uh, we were, I think we had three offsides in the first drive, which is just not acceptable. And uh, we ended up having to, you know, make a change there because uh, it was just over and over the same penalty. And does it almost feel like a, a night of missed opportunities, Coach? I know in the first half there was that pass that was dropped that for surely probably would have been a touchdown yeah. and then a couple other plays throughout the night. Does it kind of feel like yeah, it was I, just a night of missed opportunities? Absolutely. I think uh, first half we missed a couple, you know, we missed two big plays I can think of. Um, one was a throw and you saw the drop. The other one was just a wide open guy that we didn't see it. And, you know, that's hard because all week we were hitting that. So two opportunities in the first half to score. Not saying it should have been 14-10, but it could have been 14-10. You know, if we make those two plays, 
Um, and then, you know, the uh, the opportunity at the end, which was really tough when we had the fumble with the scoop and score that they blew dead. You know, it was, hard, it was pretty hard to watch back knowing that it's clearly a fumble. And, you know, that's six points right there. And that changes the momentum of the game at that point in time. Yeah. And then Absolutely. they hit the big trap play on the next two plays later. Mm-hmm. And then, bam, you know, you're down two scores at that point in time. But we did battle back. I'm happy to see some of the things we did at the end of the game. Would have liked to have seen our kicker try one from 52. Um, you know, I mean, it's no... No surprise. I mean, people have seen him already on Twitter. We know he can kick 50 plus. 57 is a little more than I wanted to try in this game. And, you know, I thought we were going to try to get one more first down and then take it again. So. Thanks so much for joining us, Brian. And thank you, as always, to all the players and coaches joining us every single week. Always appreciate all your guys' insight. All right, we're halfway through the podcast. So let's give a quick thanks to our sponsor, the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute. They have many locations in the Chicago area, so make sure you check them out move better and live better our third quarter means that we play our weekly game of way or no way where joe and i decide whether a proposition i say is possible way or not possible no way so let's start things off here joe with the nutria girls volleyball team heading into the final couple weeks of the season for the regular season at least um way or no way that the nutria girls volleyball team can pull off a conference title win here um you know, I don't know the standings. I think they're right up there with uh, – they lost to Niles West, um, and I think they play Niles West again this week, if, that, if I'm not wrong. Yeah, and they lost to GBS. And they lost one to GBS. Um, did they beat GBS too? I think they played. Yes. Yeah, they both beat them at home last I mean, I think – wait, I think there's a chance, sure. Nutria is right up there. They're, they're among the talented uh, – top teams, top tier in that um, division, if you were to put it into tiers. So um, sure. I think there's a chance. I think they just, they want to be playing their best volleyball for the postseason, which is coming up a couple of weeks. So uh, if they are, they are the conference champs in my opinion. Yeah. I'll go with the way there as well. They beat uh, Niles West on the Wednesday night. We're recording this on Thursday. So oh, I did. they got Evanston and GBM the rest of the way. And they actually, so they beat GBN in the conference matchup, and they lost to GBN in a weekend tournament this past weekend. So um, those two matches will be really important in determining whether um, they can win conference. But I'll go with the way. Yeah, I think that they can still win it. I think uh, they have an opportunity. I think uh, they just need to w- finish it off with a couple wins, and um, they should be uh, champions of the CSL South heading into the playoffs. All right, we've got uh, – uh, state soccer seeds for boys soccer here where uh, Evanston is number one in the Nutria sectional Nutria is number two OPRF is number three Loyola Academy is number four and GBN and GBS are five and six in that order so way or no way Joe or yeah way or no way that uh, the Nutria boys soccer team will have a longer postseason run than Loyola hmm I'm going to say way, and that might be some recency bias because I talked to uh, our athlete of the week this week was um, their leading scorer, Matthew Perchek. Um, but they're hot right now. You know, they lost that game to Loyola where the, you know, I'm sorry, to Evanston. Evanston took care of Nutria pretty handily. And since then, they've been on a streak. They beat Warren. Um, they beat St. Ignatius. They, you know, they won all their games since then. Um, they beat uh, Niles. Um Niles North, right? Yeah, Niles North in a yeah. uh, in a shootout. Um, so exciting stuff. They played pressure games and they they've coming out victorious. So I think they've got a lot of senior leadership and a lot of underclass 
talent and style in Perchik and Evan Canellos and their senior leaders in the middle with Ronan O'Neill and their goalie, uh, uh, Crawford, Aiden Crawford. So, I mean, I think this team just has the right formula to make a run at a state title, not just a sectional title. So, um, obviously that sectional is packed with OPRF, Loyola and Evanston, but I think uh, Nutrier's got the goods in this one. So I would say way. Yeah, I think I'll go with a way just for the fact that the way the sectional is set up. So let's say like one, two, three, four, like they all win. Obviously, that doesn't happen all the time. But if they do, Evanston plays Loyola and then Nutrier plays OPRF. And um, I just think Nutrier has a better chance of beating OPRF than Loyola does against beating Evanston. Um, that obviously, if everything went chalk in that scenario. So that's why I'll say way. I just think uh, Loyola has a tougher road to get to the same spot than Nutrier does. Hmm. All right, Joe, we got uh, sectional uh, girls tennis this upcoming weekend. Way or no way that the girls tennis team from Nutrier won't win a sectional this weekend? Uh, no way that they won't. Uh, they will. Um, they win all the sectionals all the time. What, what do we talk about? I think we were talking about this last year on this pod that they had I don't know, when the last like 23 sectionals or something. Yeah, it's insane. So, and there's, I mean, not that there's not talent in the area, but they still are carrying the most talent um, and depth. And um, the way they're looking, they're going to advance all all six, um, their entire lineup. You know, they're two doubles teams and they're two singles entries. So uh, they're very good. Um, they're, you know, top three, top four in the state. As coach said, you know, direct quote. So they're going to, um, contend for a state title and, and hopefully come home with the trophy. So no way they won't win. <laughs> yeah, no way they don't win. I think it's, you said it pretty easily. I mean, this team is just dominant. They've got the talent and they should win pretty handily uh, this upcoming weekend at the sectional. All right, way or no way, Joe, that the Loyola Academy girls swimming team, swimming and diving team, um, can make a little push here as we enter the postseason later in the month way this is a good team um we've only gotten out to to see them once um i think we need to we need to get back on that um soon they're they're very deep um they're very talented at the top as well so you're going to get some point scores you're going to get some relay points and i'm talking about state here as well as sectional um so um you know just right there i think their floor is so high uh that uh we're looking at a top five finish minimum in the state and i think we're probably looking at uh closer to the top than that if everything breaks right so very good team um they're gonna make some serious waves pun intended yeah i think way this team can make some noise uh, especially at sectional and obviously in conference in the state i think we'll have um some good swimmers out there competing as we head into the final uh, few weeks here of swimming and diving final way or no way is way or no way joe that the new cheer field hockey team can win a state title this fall. Nutrier hockey? Field hockey. Field hockey. Oh, man. So, uh, funny enough, I'm going to their game today uh, <laughs> against Lake Forest. So, today's Thursday. So, I'm going to get a pretty good preview. Um, they lost to Lake Forest earlier this year, 3-1. to one. I think Lake Forest is the favorite. Those two often go back and forth between state champions. Now, a lot of the other – the rest of the state has caught up um, as field hockey's kind of expanded a little bit. But – Man, um, I, I, will they win? I I will say no way. Um, I think they're maybe a notch below. Um, I think last year, I think they lost a lot of seniors um, uh, from a pretty pretty amazing team last fall. 
Um, so I will say no way. Oh, they played in the spring. Yeah. yeah, I think I'll agree with you. I think I'll go no way with you as well. I think uh, Lake Forest has shown that it's really strong, especially like you mentioned, that talent and um, what uh, Lake Forest brought back this year. I think uh, it, it might really end up just being neutral and Lake Forest battling in the state title game. But um, I think Lake Forest will probably take care of business there and win another state title. But that is all we've got for way or no way. Let's move on over now to the fourth quarter. Well, we'll start off by talking about um, state golf, where um, we had some big performances over the weekend, um, where the Nutra boys uh, golf team um, made some history when uh, fell just a few strokes shy in a really tough uh, loss to GBN, where GBN won the state title in boys golf and um, Nutria finished second um, behind them. So obviously a tough matchup there, but why don't we start with the boys, uh, Joe, Joe, I mean, just, I know you talked to the team and that kind of stuff. And um, what was the reaction like from them, obviously for a historic, um, a historic match, but um, obviously following a few strokes, a shy of winning that state title. Yeah. I mean, you know, that really stinks. Um, <laughs> 36 holes and it comes down to the last few. I mean, it's exciting and I'm sure, um, you know, fans love it and maybe the pressure, you know, pressure is a privilege as they say. So, you know, to be in that position is, is a good thing, but uh, it's stressful, especially on a golf course when it's all on you, you know, you're not, you're not playing defense. Um, so you have to watch the other team. And then when it comes to your, you know, that's a lot of pressure. So um, unfortunately, Nutria was a couple strokes behind. I think coach Trevline um, um, told me that, uh, told me that was uh, the most nervous uh, he's ever been. So you know, 17th hole, I think I put it in the story. Um, I think the champion for GBN was Jason Gordon. Um, he birdied it, and he birdied 18-2, and that really clinched it. Um, you know, Nutria had a pathway, and he, and he really shut the door on on that because he was in the last group with Nutria's uh, um, um, James Pryor. Um, so he, he slammed the door right there. But, you know, Nutria had its chances, I think, if you look at the scorecard at different points, they, they had a lead or they took a lead. It's difficult because there's different groups golfing at different times, but um, they had the lead going in there and they made it come back and then um, it kind of fell away. So very tough um, way to go. And, and it's another second place finish. I think coach Drevlin is one. I think that's his seventh second place. And, you know, always the bridesmaid, never the bride. I'm sure they want to win that state title. They've, they've gotten some in there history but it's been a while um so another second play finish definitely nothing to sneeze at a really incredible team and like i think i put in the story they shot a record you know um yeah what do you what are you gonna do uh pretty impressive stuff gbn was just a smidge better yeah and a couple miles away and in bloomington uh illinois north shore country day had quite a battle of its own made a day two comeback trimming a six-row lead to finish second place an IHSA Class A 1A for the girls' uh, championship. Vandalia captured the state championship. But what a really impressive performance from uh, the North Shore Country Day team um, being able to battle back like that. Yeah, they were down. Um, they were down a good a good chunk, and they fought back, and uh, they had a chance to. <laughs> Talking to Coach Sai over there, very similar to the conversation with Coach Drevlin. It was great. You know, we got a second-place trophy. Awesome. Let's put that aside bittersweet because we had a chance second place to lose by one stroke after 36 holes. It just, it's crazy to me um, that it goes, comes down to that as a team. So many, 
so many scores being compiled into one um, is wild. So, but what a year um, for North Shore Country Day. I think coach told me that was their best they've ever shot at state. Um, they do have a couple state titles from the early 2010s um, in back to back, but that's their best score at state. So kudos to them um, for a second place trophy. And coach said once they got back to Winneka, you know, they were, uh, the team was back to celebrating. It just took a bit to kind of shake off that um, one stroke loss, but pretty cool stuff. Yeah, and how about the Loyola Academy girls golf team where um, in Decatur they uh, finished in third place after a really a, quite a good rally toward the end of the season where um, I feel like we didn't really talk about them too much, but here they were in the two-day tournament finishing in third place in class two-way. Yeah, we probably owe them a bit of apologizing, uh, a bit of, a, of an apology for kind of just, they were sneaking up on us. They were, you know, good finishes. They finished second in the sectional behind Nutrier and um, but Nutrier was just shooting so low that, um, you know, we talked about them a lot and what are their chances at a state title? Can they pull it off? And, uh, we kind of said, Oh, and Loyola is there too. And they're pretty good, but, uh, you know, they, they, they came home with the trophy and Nutrier didn't, that kind of shows what can happen in the state tournament, um, in golf. It's just, it's one weekend and, um, a bad couple holes here, a bad, um, couple holes there and all of a sudden you're in fourth place because it was such a talented field Barrington was unbelievable in winning the trophy so um kudos to, to the Ramblers for just uh sneaking up on us and and probably sneaking up on the field and taking third yeah, how surprised were you that Nutrier finished fifth I mean they were I feel like we talked about them all fall about being them uh them being a favorite to earn trophy and they were shooting so well and um it just seemed like over two days that they just didn't have it yeah I was surprised um because I thought they were going to put together. Um, it seemed like it was trending that way. I didn't expect any quote unquote bad rounds. Now, you know, after talking to coach Fricky and after looking at the scorecard, it's like, how can you be mad with three girls shot in the seventies for them both days? And, you know, then they took, I think an 80 both days too. So what, that's not, that's a pretty good day. It's just not their best day. And that's, right. um, I guess that's what can happen. And then you saw what Barrington did, Hinsdale Central and Loyola. They had great days. Um, so Loyola, you know, Nutria was just a step, you know, step behind um, on, on the weekend. And that I, I feel like golf's so difficult to, that can happen. Yeah, tough, uh, tough way to end it, but obviously still a very successful season for both all of our, all of our area teams, obviously. Um all of them wanted to uh, win a state title, but to win a trophy and to just place well at state, obviously a big ac accomplishment to them. So congratulations to them on a great season. All right, let's move on over now to week eight of high school football here, Joe. We got a couple weeks left of the regular season and um, week eight um, on paper um, doesn't seem that appetizing, honestly, for our two local teams we've got. Nutrier playing Niles West, and you have Loyola playing St. Patrick. Why don't we start off with uh, Nutrier and Niles West, where Niles West comes into the season with a 2-4 and four record. There are two wins coming against Niles North, 18-14, to 14, and Maine East, 38-9. to nine. Um, I, I mean, obviously this is – I mean, we. I feel like I've been asking you the last couple of weeks, but this is the must-win game of the season. Like, obviously you're heading into a very tough scenario – um, playing um, Maine South at the end of the season if you're in your Trier. But Niles West coming in at two and four, um, you just have the better talent. And this is, a, this is a way you assure that you're making the playoffs here by getting that fifth win. Yeah, yeah, this isn't 
a metaphorical must win anymore. If, if playoffs are the goal, it's uh, it's it's definitely a literal must. And uh, you know, um, Nutria is a better team. You know, uh, a bigger team, a better team than Niles West. So um, they should. I, I don't see any reason they don't take care of business here. It's just can they figure things out for next week? And uh, of course, you don't want to look past anybody. So got to make sure you get that victory and everything cinched up. But can you also, um, you know, win? And if you do that, uh, make sure your ducks in a row for Maine South. You know, make sure that feel good coming out of that game. So going into Maine South, whether it's confidence, whether it's scheming, X's and O's, you just you, you feel your best going into that game next week. Of course, you got a week of practice too, but um, that's the one that's really going to matter to them going into the postseason. Since so, so get that game under control early and then um, get everything else buttoned up. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't really be surprised if Coach Dahl wants to get his offenses, uh, um, you know, get get them excited and get them feeling good about themselves heading into a big match we get Maine South. We'll talk predictions a little bit later, but um, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Nutria hangs uh, a little, a lot of points just to kind of feel good heading into a really big uh, game against Maine South. But um, talking about the CSL South, I mean, um, obviously, we don't cover Evanston or Maine South, but that seems like the game of the season when it comes to CSL South, where um, both teams are coming in undefeated in conference, 3-0. and um, Basically, um, I mean, at this point, I think uh, maybe you can work it out a way where if Evanston wins or loses to GBS, then there might be a three-way tie for um, conference title or something like that. But this really seems like the division title match between uh, Evanston and Maine South here. Yeah, it's going to be a good one. It really is going to be a doozy. I think uh, Evanston's got their, you know, um, they're fully stacked right now. And I think they have the confidence coming off coming off last year where I think, or the fall se- spring season, I think they lost by a late score from Maine South. Um, I think they know they can play with them every quarter. I think they have the confidence. I think they, they think they, they're favored in this game. And I, I don't necessarily disagree with them. I think it's more of a toss-up. Um, than anything. Uh, Maine South's probably the better team, but I think on any given night, Evanson can put together a team that's, that's you know, one of the best in the state. I really think that. Um, so can they do it on Friday? Um, we'll see. I think they could. I think before the season, this is the Evanson team we expected. And uh, my prediction was they beat Maine South and they won the conference. So I'm going to stick with that. And I think they pull off something special Friday. I mean, even if you look at Evanston, I mean, their only two losses are to Libertyville, 32 to 13, who is a five and two team in Palatine, which is 43, 43 to nothing. Um, but Palatine, obviously a really good team beating uh, Maine South earlier in the season. Um, and obviously, like we talked about, Evanston was playing without their star players a little bit there at the start of the season. So, yeah, I mean, I think this game is definitely the game of the season, basically for both um, Maine South and Evanston in the CSL South. And if Evanston uh, somehow beats Maine South and then GBS somehow beats Evanston, there can be some chaos heading into the final weeks here in the CSL South. Yeah, let's make it fun. Let's get some chaos. All right. And then we have Loyola taking on St. Patrick. St. Patrick heading into the season or heading into this matchup with a four and three record, three and zero oh in the CCL ESCC Purple. Um, their loss is coming to St. Rita, Fenwick, and um, De La Salle Collegiate, from a team from Michigan. Um, but St. Patrick beat uh, GBN 
um, Carmel and uh, some other teams, but obviously St. Patrick comes in here with a four and three record, but as coach Hollister kind of talked about, um, he's not going to look past any opponent, but um, again, this should be a team where Loyola might be able to get some reserves into the second half. Um, and again, might be able to, uh, you know, heading into the playoffs, rest some players here. Yeah, I think they'll, it'll be a similar, this isn't going to be as, um, as much of a cake was it was a Providence again, nothing against Providence. They were so undermanned. It wasn't, it wasn't a fair fight, but I don't think it'll be that kind of cakewalk, but I think that's going to be a similar type of game plan. Um, let's jump on early. Let's take care of business, control, control, control. And then we can kind of start resting some guys in spots and make sure we're in a good position to get that, get that victory. Um, I think they're, they are, they do outmatch St. Pat's um, another fun one. I think they're playing at Triton college. Um, so it'll be a fun atmosphere again, uh, where they almost lost to, to Fenwick though. So, uh, maybe they want to exercise some demons on that field. Um, but, uh, just, uh, let's, let's see them get control of this game early and, uh, same thing, get, get, get healthy. Yeah. I think that's pretty much the key here at this point, in the last couple of weeks of the season at seven and oh, you figure they're the number one seed in eight a, unless something crazy happens here, um, with, uh, St. Patrick and Mount Carmel, but, and I think at this point, you're just trying to avoid any injury, any needless injury to Sterney or um, to any of your offensive linemen or your defensive players at this point, um, heading into the last couple of weeks of the season here. Yeah, yeah, I think so, too. And, and um, a lot of talent there. So a lot of talent that needs that can take them to the state title. You want to make sure you're in a good spot. All right, let's get some predictions here, Joe. What do you have happening between Niles West and Nutria Friday night in Northfield? Yeah, I think uh, it's a uh, it's a combination between taking care of business and exercising demons, similar to GBN. Um, I don't know if they'll hang a sixty pack, but uh, I think we're going to see probably a um, a running clock here, um, and we'll go. They're going to run the ball. Uh, you know, I think they're going to run hard. I think we're going to see a lot of touchdowns um, from Cummings and from McCary. Um, and I'm going to say something like 56 to six. All right. I'm going to have 49 to 13, a uh, big win for Nutria offense, Nutria offense trying to get it going and uh, Nutria defense trying to uh, limit as much as possible as they get ready for making the postseason there, hopefully, um, and getting ready for a big matchup against Maine South in week nine. All right. Loyola St. Patrick on Friday night in Trident College. Like you said, what do you have happening there? Um, I have Loyola, you know, doing what they need to do against St. Pat's, who is, who is a good team, um, just not, um, on the tier with Loyola. So I will have Loyola with a, with a tidy, um, let's say 42. No, let's say, yeah, let's say 42 to, to seven victory. Interesting. I think I am going to go with the 35 to, I'm really tempted to go with a shutout here for some reason. I don't really know why. Um, I was thinking it too. Um, I really don't know. I feel like this defense is just riding and I feel like they want to show something before heading into Mount Carmel. I'll do a, I'll do a, I'll do a 40 to uh, 40 to six game. We'll get a couple field goals in there. I think that defense is going to be out there and humming. And I think uh, that they'll be controlling the pace of the game 
from pretty much the beginning of the game. As we've said, as always, we're usually wrong with our predictions and you watch, <laughs> it'll be a tight game like it was against Fenwick or Brother Rice or whatever, but um, we'll see how it goes. But that's everything we've got for this week's episode of the podcast. Thanks so much for joining us. As always, just a quick reminder before we say goodbye, that you can subscribe to the podcast anywhere that they're available, Spotify, Apple, iTunes, what have you, we're all there. Make sure to give us a nice little review and spread the word when you're at sporting events about the record North Shore and about the Varsity Podcast. So for Joe and I, thanks so much for joining us this week, and we will talk to you guys down the road. See ya. Thank you for listening to the Varsity uh, product of the record NorthShore.org, your nonprofit local newsroom. The Varsity is presented by the Illinois Bone and Joint Institute with more than 150 fellowship-trained physicians in every orthopedic specialty and dozens of locations across Chicagoland and the suburbs. IBJI is your choice for patient-focused orthopedic care. To find the nearest location, visit IBJI.com.